0: I'm mildly annoyed at something, Father Harrison. Oh, what's this? Yeah, yeah, so basically the reason why I wanted to be a priest was so that I could guilt people into doing things. Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that why anyone becomes a priest? And um, I've gotten pretty good at it. I can make people feel guilty by literally saying nothing. Just yeah. a good bit of silence in a conversation can immediately make people judge themselves, feel guilty, that kind of thing. I've got like there's many ways to do it. Yeah. Right? But that's my job as a Roman Catholic priest. Okay. Some of my sure. Yeah, right? The problem is some of my lay friends try to guilt me into doing things. And like what? this needs to stop. Like, like what do you mean? Well, you know, I've I have friends who just moved down to West Virginia and mm-hmm. I got like several text messages saying, hey, we're having this open house, you should come down. And I was like, guys, I'm going to be there next week. I've been to your house a bunch of times anyway. In fact, I said mass at your house and blessed it. I'm busy, it's Sunday, but they just kept saying how much they miss me or how this person wanted to see me or blah, blah, blah. They mm-hmm. had like a whole, a whole bunch of people sending me text messages about this. And I felt yep. so guilty that I, felt I was forced to show up and have a really good time. And i think that's how, unfair. how to me. far
1: away are they from you
0: like about, how an far hour, is Virginia? about an hour and 15 minutes uh, from where i'm at to around morgantown is where they live how dare they
1: right how dare they you are a priest of jesus christ yes you have more important things to do like paperwork exactly
0: but instead they gave me whiskey and cigars and hot dogs and good conversation the audacity of making me do that on a Sunday. Your life is
1: one that has to is one in which you should be suffering at all times.
0: Exactly. Uh, you should be and- in the
1: confessional 10 hours a day. And if you're not, mm-hmm. you're a bad priest. And so actually they are undermining the work of your priesthood by doing this. In my I know. opinion,
0: you know, and you know what? I'm not going to put all the guilt on them. I mean, I'm going to put like ninety nine percent of the guilt on them.
1: One percent but- of the children
0: on On their families, on oh, okay, their house, okay, okay, okay like point five, and then point five, I will, in my humility, reserve to myself. I should have been a stronger priest and just said, "No, I'm not allowed to have fun on Sundays. How dare you? And I should have just gone back to also paperwork.
1: Wait, wait, they did an open house on a Sunday. yeah. It sounds did they did they make was there food there?
0: There was food that was, but most of it was brought. I think they made some chili. But okay. I don't know if that was made the day of or day before, so it's sketchy. I should have investigated. It's like
1: Saturday night. It might have right. been like, like I mean, like mm-hmm. I'm hearing not keeping the Sabbath holy.
0: Yeah, there's <laughs> we're making so many more, so right now. <laughs> there's nothing more unholy than inviting friends over for fraternity and and leisure on a Sunday. Yeah. So that's my roundabout way of saying that uh, I'm really grateful for my lay friends who are cool and have <laughs> cool stuff. There were other priests there, um, priests from. Uh, West Virginia, Father Brian, I don't know if he listens, but hello, um, classmate of my, uh, actually, same year of ordination as me. Cool. Um, and uh, just, just some lovely, uh, I met some Twitter people, some people I knew from uh, Twitter, saw them in yep. real life as well. Yep. Um, also, congratulations and happy late birthday to producer Indiana. She All turned right. one just the other day. Which day was that? That was, uh, so she turned one on Sunday. Wait, wait. We had a so. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. you went to your lay friends and didn't spend time with your one-year-old niece on uh-huh, like, uh-huh. on yes. the actual day of her birthday.
0: That's true. That's true. So, what a
1: horrible uncle.
0: I mean, I'm I am a pretty bad uncle, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, but I, didn't I, did spend, last I did here, the vigil. I like... did
0: the vigil of Indiana's birthday. So Nick and Riley, producer Nick and producer Riley had a whole big party. Riley kept calling it her Labor Day because that's <laughs> Saturday, so she went into labor, sure. which was quite funny. Um so I showed up mm-hmm. early on Saturday. I brought uh, Indiana her birthday present, which was a little package of blueberries and a plastic cup, because these are the things that she likes as a one-year-old. Um so I hung out with her a little bit Saturday. We had the party at the vigil. And then I went to the open house, so it was a fun weekend. Um, do you ever hooray work for parties? Do you ever work? Just curious. <laughs> no, all I do is party. <laughs> that's right. And you're a parochial sticker who works. All you I do to, is you party have to and, and you have to host say mass once in a while, and that's it. <laughs> all I do is party and host. Clerically speaking, welcome to Clerically Speaking. I am Father Anthony.
1: I am Father Harrison. Um, Man, like, I'm getting ready right now for my next study leave. I am going to be in uh, South Bend for a couple weeks for some study time. I'm giving a paper at the fall conference that's run by the Nicholas Center on the Thursday afternoon. I forget what time right now. So, if you're listening, you're going to be coming to the conference. Come say hi. I'll be there for the whole conference that weekend. Uh, I may or may not be able to get together with people because, like, this is study time. <laughs> like, I need to take advantage yeah. that I'm near a really good library and stuff like this while i can although my i think even now my ratzinger collection is better than notre dame's uh with all the german stuff i've been getting lately ridiculous Uh, it's a bit ridiculous um so because you know yesterday i got like i kind of killed it with studying yeah it was my day of rest um but i honestly do find studying restful i know that's a weird thing to say I know people are like, but that's still intellectual work. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's, it is it, it is restful for me. It's something different than the normal stuff I do every other day, which is a good thing to – I finished up a, a, a Values in the Time of a... – these are Ratzinger books – Values in the Time of Heal. I I read very quickly. Like I did not pay attention to every single word, Faith in the Future by Ratzinger. I read through almost every essay. I skipped three or four in – volume one of his collections of communion commun, uh, church and unity mm-hmm. and i got through half of his four catecheses on creation all in one day that sounds like a lot of theology for one day Yeah, it was amazing and i had like, a <laughs> stack of books like this big now that yeah. is just sitting there saying well i have to go back and retake notes right, uh, right just to put in my notebook and everything but i underlined everything i needed and i was like i th- I've, I've been fine like it's it's been I feel like I'm finally making progress with this direction I have. I have a new th- second guy on my, my board now again, and, and, and we're doing, my first chapter is on rats here and his interactions around the, the notion and event of the French revolution. And that's been actually a lot of fun
2: oh. because
1: it's like coming together in my head that I'm noticing, well, there's four or five key words that we need to understand in his thought when he's talking about this to understand what he's talking about. Like when he talks about modernity, what does he mean? When he talks about liberalism or liberalism being liberal like this is that's actually that was like one of the cool things that's really been hitting me more that europeans notion of the word liberal is very different than the north american one
0: yes that makes sense
1: because for them it's like it's actually in that more classical sense of like of fraternity equality and uh whatever the third one is um freedom and baguettes freedom 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 and beignets oh, uh, yeah
0: sure. yeah beignets. or beignets or beignets
1: mm-hmm. or whatever yeah uh like that, the, the 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 liberal idea that came out of the French Revolution, like of, of like that that liberal does not mean doing what you want when you want how you want. Well, it kind of does like that's an extension though of like the the notion of the state that it's trying to institute, right? And then what does he mean by the words Enlightenment? And how does he see Marxism fitting in all this? And, and so it's like it's coming, like it's getting repetitive enough now. But I'm like, I think, I think I know how to write this chapter.
0: So basically, you're just doing a mind meld with ratzinger is what you're doing that that your mind and his will become one as you absorb all of his I writings into all of his your writings noggin.
1: yes except i'm not ratzinger not even close um he's just so freaking brilliant it's amazing <laughs> uh i i it's it's been really cool like it's just been neat to see these things that i didn't even think of two years ago even a year ago coming together in ways i didn't think possible or a direction i didn't even think i would go which is always a fun thing so yeah that was a fun day yesterday like it's just like it's just nice like that's why i can read it faster now because i feel like okay he's saying that same thing again he's saying that same thing again which is oh, fine yeah, yeah. but it's like okay I'm, I'm getting it's telling me i'm understanding a, a consistent argument in him it is yeah. but what's been fascinating in it too is i'm gonna get just a tiny we can talk whatever we want in banter so i'm gonna get a little that's theological true. for a second okay. uh is is so after you know just prior to the fall of communism he started like so before so everyone talks about oh he's changed in 1968 not really just the questions changed Hmm. before that he was dealing more with existentialism okay and that's so he dealt with sartre and all this stuff bit with marxism and everything and then then he realized after 1968 marxism is the new counter thought pattern that he needs to deal with Mm -hmm. and then at 89 comes along the fall of communism happens and then this is where it's been getting really interesting is he has also a critique of the West at the same time he's talking, he's analyzing the fall of communism Mm -hmm. and he, and man, if um, people aren't going to like this, maybe, but he says that behind both ideologies, it's a little more subtle in the Western tradition is a materialistic determinism Mm. and that Western liberal democracies have this same attitude that, you know the economy. If we just let the flaws of the economy do its thing, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is Mark. That that's what Mark said about about economy in the way. Like if we just let the laws of history to do its thing, and we can exacerbate it and make it go faster, mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine. We're going to get to the utopia. Yeah, and, and that this, and that we don't, and that even in the West we do not see that matter has a deeper signifying meaning that doesn't have meaning anymore. Something we can just manipulate however we want. And people say, well, that's Marxism. Like it is, but like, I think he's, and this is the part I'm still like, not sure on is I think he's making the argument that there's two possibilities here. One is they actually have the same underlying notion of the world that we take away the notion of creation. Mm -hmm. Matter becomes meaningless and everything becomes meaningless. So that's, and that's not going to be a bit of my essay at Notre Dame. Um, okay, or the fall of communism didn't actually fully fall, and that some of its thought patterns kind of melded with the West hmm, in this and in that this materialistic form of Marxism survived on through uh, to today, and so I think, or it could be a bit of both, right? It could be also a bit sure, of sure, yeah, absolutely. um so those are like the three options that are going through my head right now that I haven't been able to quite find an answer. And I don't know if he necessarily even thinks about it that much. So, but that's the, that's, that's fun stuff, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> You're I, like, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. No, no, sure. no, 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 I'm serious. I, I'm hoping that translates into uh, more content for the podcast. Cause that's oh, yeah. the only reason why I want you to get your doctorate.
1: Yes. Amen. It's
0: the only thing that matters. Amen. Um, but there are some other things that matter, Father Harrison, like, Theological Emergencies.
1: Thank you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial 1 at any time.
2: Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll
0: take your call at 412-912-7995.
2: Hi, Joe Chalanta again. Um, say, I was just wondering, because I had noticed that uh, a lot of the liturgical texts, such as like the New American Bible, or even the Missal or the Liturgy of the Hours, um, are all copyrighted. Um, now, my issue is I want to share these with my friends and help them get them to pray them more, um, but I don't think I can officially do that without either paying some royalties or breaking some laws. Uh, so yeah, I was just wondering what your thoughts on pirating liturgical texts were. Um, yep,
0: peace, bye. My thoughts on pirating liturgical texts, well, let's, let's say, for example, that you have two coats in your closet, and there is a poor man outside your house without a coat, The fathers would say that that second coat that you think is yours doesn't actually belong to you. It actually belongs to that poor man outside. And if he were to take it, it would not technically be stealing. Now, if there's somebody who desires to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, but doesn't have the financial resources to do so, I don't see anything wrong with doing some copy and paste or whatever uh, but this is a this is a weird thing here so it's kind of bothered me like i totally understand the need to like when you have a text of the new american bible you want it to be the new american bible right we don't want a thousand of like <coughs> new american bible translation not that good no it's not that good anyway but like let's just say you want to follow along with the readings for a year you know um or like you want to make sure the brief you have is a real breviary, whatever mm-hmm. translation we're using at the time but um the fact that these things aren't like readily and easily i mean the bible definitely is more available but the liturgy I mean, of the you can get online
1: so, like bible you can get online for free any, right. any translation pretty much
0: uh yes you can totally get the bible online for free and you can find liturgy of the hours for free but they have to do like goofy stuff like print typos on every page so they, they they're not breaking copyright law and stuff there's a bunch of goofy stuff you have to do to make it work um and i so find can- that very silly so here's the thing.
1: I, I, I don't know American copyright law at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am no expert nor, there. Nor do I. But um, uh, Nor, but I wonder if there are different, like, if it's there, not so much. Like, okay, yes, there is. Like, we, To my knowledge, the re, one of the reasons the NAB is used in the States is because the bishops own copyright on it. And it becomes yes. an income generator for them when they sell electionary and everything. They actually get double because they print the lectionary too. So uh, it's a double whammy for them. Um, so there's that. Uh, and I don't like that. But I mean, the internet has made everything so... I mean, so what what about iBriBri?
0: Um, Do you have to pay for a scrip- subscription to no. iBree? Which one do I have?
1: It's free. I use iBrevery.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing is there's actually... I believe... Now, someone can quote me if I... Or not quote me, but correct me if I'm wrong. But... On every page, there's going to be one or two um, typos typos or errors really? on it. So it's, it's – yes. Someone
1: was telling me about
0: this. That's the way they oh, can make it happen. Oh, interesting.
1: Um, I don't – Either yeah, in the I, rubrics listen, or in something. You want copyrights to on. protect things from – like you want to make sure it's coming from official sources. I think this is the reason the copyright exists. Yeah. Right? So not anyone can just go print a Bible that can then get off – like it can say the wrong thing or it can have – the wrong you know or liturgy yeah, text that right. can say something that's not in the germ right so i think they're using civil means to protect ecclesial goods okay so that's not a bad thing i yeah. think though that these ecclesial goods though are for the whole faithful and thus mm-hmm. i'm not really i'm not really worried about copyright to be honest i i uh, i have printed off many times uh, even uh, solemn evening prayer books for for solemn vespers and I just use the words in the liturgy hours. Allegedly, allegedly,
0: uh, allegedly. Yeah, no, 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 I agree too. Like, there's, I think there's maybe probably there's some, some like fair not. use knows, stuff. The point is, if it comes down to it, Father Harrison and I all are all about being liturgical pirates. Go for it.
1: Yeah, is that fair? Arr. Indeed. Ordinary <laughs> time. Oh, uh, now, now we're
2: done. Now we're uh,
1: done. <laughs> that was horrible. It was. It was really bad.
2: Hey, good day, Father Harrison, Father Anthony. And my name is Henry, and I'm actually from Brisbane, Australia, but I was in the Diocese of Wilmington, Delaware, uh, last month for a friend's wedding. Um, they said it was a Catholic wedding, but when I got there, the, the bishop presiding over the ceremony, uh, was not the bishop of the Diocese of Wilmington, uh, Michael Koenig, I think his name is. Uh, William Cainy. And then when I went to, uh, check and see, he said he was a Vicar General, uh, in the, uh, military orders. So I went and looked on the USCCB's website and he wasn't listed as the Vicar General for the military ordinariate. Um, the mess was strange. There were, the Curiae was not included. There were other modifications significantly to the prayers of consecration, the Eucharistic prayer. And I just wanted to ask you guys, uh, I didn't end up going up and receiving communion because I felt sketchy about it. Is this something normal that happens in America or, or does someone else know? Uh, thank you so much. Have a good one.
1: So first thing is, wedding weddings, there is no Kyrie.
2: There's no Kyrie in weddings.
1: Nope. It's They're in the book. are supposed to
0: do the Gloria, but a lot of priests yeah. don't. <laughs> you are supposed to jump right into the Gloria, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there is no... Um, I mean are your friends practicing Catholics? Like maybe, maybe there's, I don't know. I don't know who I couldn't make out the name of the guy who they said was presiding. So I don't know how to look him up there. Um, Maybe it was that this Bishop was supposed to do it, but then something happened. And so they had to call someone else, which happens with bishops. Sometimes bishops are probably notoriously undependable for weddings. Uh, uh, I would, you know, they only do maybe one or two a year at best um and they have to know someone really well and they have to make sure that nothing's going to interrupt their their uh their scheduling so i mean i I don't i mean i don't know what happened with the words of consecration uh some priests like to play around with things a little bit again i think we said this before and i think i think essential essential the essential words you always need to hear is uh this is my body and this is my blood yeah or sorry this is a sorry this is my body given up for you, but then um, this is the chalice of. Oh my gosh! It's funny you can you always you know can't. it off my heart when you're doing it, but then you're like trying to abstract it from the situation. That's because it's really you're
0: hard. not you're not. It's it when you're in persona Christi, Jesus says the words for you. Isn't That's that how right. that works technically? Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> There's this a is the chalice have... of my
1: blood. This is the chalice of my blood. The blood yeah. of the new and eternal covenant. Like this is the chalice of my blood. This these are the essential words that you have to make sure you hear. Everything else just should not be played around with. Like I have heard some priests will say instead of for many, they will still say for all. I do not like this. I think it is dangerous. I, listen, those big letters in the missile, if there's anything – you shouldn't mess with anything. Like let's just right. stop messing with missiles and stop making the liturgy our own thing, please. Absolutely. But please don't mess with those big block words in the Missal.
0: Yeah, so just so you don't know, uh, you probably don't know because you're not priests priest listening to this, that those words of um, consecration, they're in all capital letters. They're the only words that are in all capital letters in the Missal. It's very funny. Like It's like the book is begging you not to mess this part
2: up.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean... No, you don't have to go to communion if you're at mass. I mean, that's fine. I just, yeah, sure. I, I think it's a hard thing to comment on in one sense just mm-hmm. because I wasn't there. I don't know what it is, but I would just say, like, you know, maybe, or just ask your friends, like, oh, he said he was from the military or right now. I didn't, couldn't find him or something like that. Or maybe he said ordinary and you misheard. And I don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay. I there's a lot know. of things that could be going on here. So, uh, part of the liturgical the rite for weddings is a little bit different. So, there's a few more like there's an introduction that the priest says also um, after the, our father, there is a big old nuptial blessing um, that takes the place of part of, uh, and then you just jump right into the sign of peace. So there's a few little things that are different that way. Also the priest could have been using a Eucharistic prayer that you were unfamiliar with.
1: And there are parts that are added to the Eucharistic prayer for weddings.
0: Yes. There are parts that are added. Like it's like a little thing saying, Hey, it's different for each Eucharistic prayer. But yep. they added little things about the couple, um, so it could be that as well. So maybe it was fine. They're just odd and different. Um, I would say, for the most part, in my experience, priests don't mess with the words of consecration. Usually, right. like I think it be that would be a does it never ha- like it may happen, but I think it's rare. But
1: that's I've heard, just I've from, heard the four. I've heard the many all thing from a yeah. priest. I. I uh, I know I've, I've heard of the odd priest who really messes things around a bit, but still will not change those essential words, but right. it's, it's getting rarer and rarer. I think it is too. Um,
0: so, so who knows exactly what's going on there? Uh, if you didn't feel like going up to community, that's totally fine. Um, few other things, Henry, if that is your real name, um, well, obviously tell Matt Fred that we say hi and tell him to stop being so crazy. Um, and hopefully we answered your, your question and that's uh, good. Um, yeah. And I mean, even if mass was goofed up, which is actually, if it was, it's a really big deal. Don't get me wrong. But your friends, they're definitely married, right? They're ve- it's it'll, it'll be fine. I'm sure, probably, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if that priest were to mess up purposely some words of consecration, then he would definitely have to go to confession, right, yes. Father Harrison?
1: Oh, I mean, um uh oh yeah i mean if he's doing it on purpose and stuff i mean here's the thing some guys are doing it on purpose but like not in like this knowing sense in a way like it's just this they know they're not saying what's in the book but they also they don't sometimes training has made them think like this is okay thing like so like you know what i mean like they're just weird like so they're they know they're doing it but they also don't know it's wrong
0: yeah it's very rare that someone's
1: doing it and know it's knowing it's wrong
0: Right. Right. They think that what they're doing is actually the right thing to do, even though it's not, which doesn't yeah. mean what they're doing is not the wrong thing, but it makes it slightly less malicious on their part. Yes. Because they're just usually old and weird.
1: But yes, anyway, I think they do need to go to confession.
0: Yes, they do. And confession is what we're going to talk about in this week's Presbyteral Exhortations.
2: And now it is time for
0: Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Quite good. Quite good. Mm-hmm. Indubitably, mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. Oh, learn to oh, it's my part. favorite part. Oh, it's the best oh, part. Yeah. Yes. 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 Quite. Quite. Yes. Quite. Oh, yeah. You heard me right. It's another confession episode. You know why? Because you all keep sinning. Once you all stop sinning, then we'll stop having episodes about confession. Though, that being said, I think it's been a while since we. <laughs> a lot of times our podcast. We talk about confession a lot. lot. We talk about it a lot because it comes up in our um, back in the day when we did Summa Theological more often, or in our other questions. You guys keep asking questions about confession and stuff. Sometimes I'm I'm very worried about you all. I don't think you're okay. There are some some problems, some some difficulties you're having with confessionals. So we're just gonna we're gonna go for it again. And the reason why I was uh, I want to do that is because I stumbled across this priest. Actually, I should know more about him. I don't know much about him. Basically, I was reading a book, Father Harrison,
1: I felt Whoa. very academic.
0: Yeah, Whoa. I was reading a book. And then there was a
1: footnote. You mean you weren't
0: just hanging out with lay people all the time? With your friends? No, I was actually, scotch and... I was doing my job and reading a book while kneeling on some, like, uh, Legos your one as a penance, year. you know? So I was doing that, and um, there was a footnote about another book. I thought that was interesting, so I went and got that book. And It's a collection of essays. Um, not essays, but uh, spiritual conferences from Father um, Frederick Frederick Faber, who I believe has written some hymns. I think he's in a lot of our American hymnals at least. and I uh-huh. think he's a priest in like the 19th century, but I just love his writing style and his these little mm-hmm. spiritual conferences that he wrote. like one of them is like, why is the spiritual life so tedious? And he's like yeah the spiritual life is tedious at times and here's why And let's talk about it just delightful but he wrote this essay i keep calling it an essay gave his conference on why do we go to confession so often but we don't change
1: oh yeah that's a good one i think that's a good, right. that's, a good, that's a good that's a good question that's the one that a lot of people ask or they it's stop like, going to confession because they just feel like they're just gonna, they just do the same thing over and over again
0: mm-hmm. so i'm gonna start so it's my turn to read a long quote so He describes confession, and it's actually really beautiful. And it's in language that's approachable. Okay. Confession is an act of faith on a part of the creature, it is also an act of the most concentrated worship. It is a breaking with the world, a turning to God. It is a triumph over millions of evil spirits of huge power and, comparatively with us men, of unbounded intellect. It is the beginning of an eternity of ineffable union with God, and confers the right of beholding the invisible face to face. A man sees in his fellow creature, as sinful as himself, perhaps even evidently more unworthy, the form and features and real jurisdiction of the incarnate Son of God. Meaning, the priest. He -hmm. kneels at his feet as if he were divine. He narrates to him the most secret shames and hidden sins of his soul. He submits to his questioning as if he were the absolute and ultimate judge of all the earth. He listens with meekness and reproof, as if it were God himself who spoke. He leaves to him the fixing of his punishment. He gives him the rights over the arrangement of much of his external life. He makes this narration of his sins with profound sorrow, a sorrow which is based on no mere human disgrace or for failure of worldly honor or ruin of temporal interests. It is not even based only on the fear of divine punishments without some admixture of divine love. He is sorry with a sorrow to which neither all the power nor all the wisdom of the world can help him, but which is itself the supernatural gift of God. His sorrow involves a detestation of his past sins, which is another gift from God. He goes on, one of his creatures, a fallible as well fallible as, well as himself, a guilty judge, pronounces some few words and straight away, though invisibly and spiritually, there falls from the veins of Jesus a shower of the precious blood, shed hundreds of years ago and resumed three days after it was shed, and bedews the sinner's soul. All All his guilt is done away with instantaneously. His state is completely changed. And despite all that, despite the fact he's talking to people who go to confession, like, once Mm -hmm. a week. He said, Mm -hmm. over the course of 20 years, maybe you have, like, a thousand confessions. Despite all of that, you remain unchanged. Isn't that horrifying? Doesn't that shake your faith? Wouldn't that make you think that the sacraments are just mere rubrics, right? So he he really gives it to you.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I, I mean, I always say, okay, actually, it's a sign that we need to uh it's a sign we need to change our understanding of what confession is and does
0: mm-hmm. yes it's absolutely that um also one of his big things like the answer he kind of gives to this <laughs> the general principle is that it is not what we do in the spiritual life but how we do it it is about purity of intention um and so he goes through a few things um, but one of his big arguments is that saints don't do a lot of stuff. Apart from, there's definitely a few exceptions, but whatever. Um, but you read lives of the saints and eventually they get to a place where they are praying a lot during the day. Or they have, you know, some obligations and stuff like that. But like, like Therese of Lisieux was not a busy person. She didn't do a lot of things. But the things they do, they do Well with intention, with purity of heart. And this is something that we need to bring into our confession. Yeah, but also like, and this is very important. He's very clever about, not clever, wise, about examining our own motives, why we go to confession. Sometimes, the reason why we go to confession, uh, it is rather low spirits than sin, which sends us to confession. So we're feeling bad. It's not that we've sinned, it's that we kind of feel bad. So we go to confession. And this also with a very considerable admixture of self-love. So it's part of the reason why we go to sin, because not out of love of God, but like love for self in a disordered way. We want comfort and consolation because we are downcast. And we know that both those spiritual luxuries are for the most part to be found in confession. We have begun to feel, we have begun of late to feel a little lonely. Nobody has praised us for a long time we want a little quiet spiritual flattery. We believe we can get this from our confessor. Either he is very kind and intelligent and prone to talk long and given to consolation, or at least we can open our hearts to him in so piteous a way, making our confession a sort of elegy with a dash of exaggeration that we are nearly sure, unless he is unusually preoccupied, to elicit from him the honey of which we stand in need. Experience has taught us, oh, and if not, we can find another confessor who will do that for us, is what he basically says. Sometimes we are, we have a general feeling of being all wrong with God. It's not so much from having some definite fault upon our consciences as from an equitable and universal tepidity. It's like the feeling of an invalid before he is washed in the morning. It is a strange and particular comfort. So this one's very interesting, that we kind of feel off with God, So we want to get that feeling kind of moved away. A lot of these things about kind of us desiring a certain kind of feeling. And then one more, uh, that he talks about, which I thought was really good. Ah, okay. he says, instead of what we actually need, which is more prayer, more discipline Mm -hmm. to focus on what we already doing, those things are difficult and will give us lasting effects. Mm-hmm. But instead, we can do the quick and easy thing, which is go to confession, to make us feel better. Hmm. So a lot of it is like w- examining really why are we going to confession and what is our intention. Which is not to say that like, we always have mixed intentions, but how well, that's often...
1: The reason, that's the reason the sacrament exists.
0: Right, and the sacrament still works, but why do we remain unchanged? Mm-hmm. He says part of the reason is because we're not doing confession well, basically.
1: So uh, now what does he mean by that? Because I because I, I have an intuition, like I, yeah. I I have an answer to that that I've actually been sure. thinking about lately, but I, I wanna What why does what why does he say like what does what does he mean by the fact that he said when he says we're not doing conf- like so we're not and what he means by that to my understanding is not mm-hmm. so much doing the right things of the sacrament, like saying right. the right things and everything. It's more that we're we're reserving part of ourselves in the sacrament. I guess where my question becomes, I guess, is well, the whole the whole point of the sacrament is exists because we don't confess sin well, that, like that it makes up for our <laughs> lack of contrition. Yeah. So, but it sounds to me like he's saying, well, no, you. The reason it doesn't work well is because I actually need more contrition. And I'm like, but the whole point of the sacrament is this lack of contrition. If you have perfect contrition, you don't need the sacrament yeah so that's why i'm kind of confused
0: yeah no that's good it's good because he's he's talking about he he makes it clear earlier on that he's talking about good valid confessions right so you can have a good valid confession um with still this um admixture of impure motives and so while the sacrament will indeed work if you will that's the cool thing about sacraments there are habits in our lives that remain unchanged he talks about how so often we end up like swallowing our graces instead of chewing on them for a while. He has this whole thing about how like, if you prayed one Angelus well enough, that's almost enough to get you into heaven. okay. He, he's joking, he's joking. Oh,
2: okay, okay. I mean, he's not
1: joking, but he's, he's exaggerating a bit. But
0: he's trying yeah, to say it like, like-
1: This is my problem. Like I'm like, this yeah. is sounding like a semi-Pelagianism to me.
0: Right, right, right. No, and I, I, I'm doing it wrong because um he said the graces are there they're mm-hmm. there for us to take but so oftentimes we don't take them it's basically like our response um is is often like you think about it. like communion in and of itself is enough to like one communion is enough to bring you to heaven
1: mm-hmm.
0: right um right.
1: but how often do we approach communion um half-heartedly yeah hearty, yeah et cetera. no I, I agree with you there i guess I don't know. I'm struggling with this one, honestly. Yeah, sure. Um, because it's still sounding like, like, what would it? Like, I guess the question becomes: Okay, then, what does it look like? For let's use the communion example. I think that's something yes. that's kind of tangible for people in their experience here. Because this might, re- okay, we say, and it's. I think there's a truth to it for sure. It's what is isn't one communion sufficient to make you a saint? Yeah. Um. what does that look like? What do I need to have in place for that to happen?
2: That's or, a question. What need,
1: or or then, or to transfer it, what's he saying needs to be in place for me to look like that? Because I, mm-hmm. the reason I'm asking this is I feel like sometimes that can, I guess my worry is, and I don't think it's intentional, but it feels like the answer is becoming a cop out because it's saying, well, you're just not trying hard enough essentially. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and people do try hard enough when they come to confession. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I, I don't, and I think, you do hear real repentance and you do hear a uh, serious remorse, et cetera. What, and, but the whole thing is that the whole, the sacramental experience, while it has an effective quality, grace touches the whole human person. And it's not just the affect, but it's, it's um, it, it, that the grace still works. And it even is sufficient to detach us from sin. I guess my question becomes like it's sounding to me like he's saying, well, you just don't, you're just not trying hard enough. You just don't have enough qualities to let it really take hold of you. But then this is why people get despondent about confession. You're like, well then I don't know what else to do because I keep, I don't know how else I can go deeper about this. Um, and then they just give up and you become hopeless. So like, I yes. feel like you can feed this hopelessness, I guess. as, as yes. my concern.
0: And so we're going to put uh father Faber down for a second and just talk about okay. this because he does mention like, um, That like, there is a potential to look at this with hopelessness, but that's not his goal here. Um, I know. uh, But anyway, let's just... Okay, so my experience of this. I can remember many times where... Oh, there's one specific memory where I was very down on myself for sinning. Um, I was in seminary, and I could not find a, a church to go to confession to. And I was just utterly despondent and despairing in that right in that moment i had some sort of contrition for my sins but what it really was like i'm not sure if i had the capability of realizing it at the time but what, what i was really feeling was this i did not want to be vulnerable or face the reality of my sinfulness i just wanted it to go away there's no, no, nothing malice in
1: that, but it was right. still a juvenile you want, way. Of a you're looking for, you're looking for it to be therapeutic. You want to assuage right. your conscience. But,
0: but like, that's if it. that's your only understanding of how you interact with the spiritual, mm-hmm. there's going to be something missing on your response there.
1: Right. I mean, I can take this anywhere, so I just want to be careful. I don't want to, I don't want to upend your, your, your point mm-hmm. you're trying to make with all this. I, I, and if I am just tell me to shut up. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Um, because I think I think there is a truth to this. Um, but my, I mean, and there is, I mean, and I think we even experience this as priests when we're hearing confession. You can tell when someone comes in, they say all the right things, they do all the right stuff, but you can tell that they're going to be back two weeks later with the same sins and you wonder yeah. if they're even actually sorry, right? So right. they have some kind of
0: sorrow, right? There's something, yes. And, yeah. and
1: in the end, a priest can't, do anything about that per se outside of like, like he can't, he can maybe address it somehow in some way, but he still absolves. Why? Because everything objective, which is all the law can, can judge has been attested for. And so he absolves and he is required to, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I can't judge the subjective qualities of a person. I can only object. I can only judge the act as a, as yes. you know, minister and judge, if you will. Right. um So I, the reason it's it's interesting to me though, because I think there I, I, there's a way for this, and and I think it, I mean, this might become a whole other topic one day, maybe, because I was reading something by Ratzinger, obviously, um, yeah. on conscience. And I and it I I've wondered about this question a lot, and and he really goes after the whole. Contemporary conception of conscience, Mm -hmm. that it has no objective quality, right? You see this with Catholics all the time. To be honest, liberal and conservative, or whatever you want to call them, like where in the end they are their own judges of the truth. I don't care what the magisterium says; my conscience says this. Yeah, right. Ratzinger say that's a and Newman, who is the theologian of conscience, Mm -hmm. would say that is an atrociously formed conscience and is actually no conscience at all because it's not open to truth. Yeah. And this is where I found it very interesting with Ratzinger and his thing with it. And it really actually, uh, I, I've been praying with it every day now because I've always felt since the day I started practicing my faith that something was off in how I approach confession. Mm-hmm. I go to it. I love the sacrament. Absolutely. Um, but I've I felt something unformed in me towards it. And so I think it's getting to Father Faber's point. And I think, so what Ratzinger says is that a a good conscience is always open to the purification of the truth. Mm -hmm. So by this it means to say, and I have a whole other thing, by the way, like I think we have... And it's not a bad thing, but let's be honest. Like most of the moral sin stuff we deal with is usually in the sexual realm. It's very rarely yeah. anything else. And I actually think that's a poor formation in moral yes. theology. Yeah. that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. One day. that is a whole other, uh, yeah. that is a whole other thing. right Day. If this is the case, and I think he's right about this, is it, he's he's saying we have to like it, we have to destroy as Catholics this modern notion of conscience, There's contemporary notion of conscience, which is. Because if I'm just open to truth, then I determine the truth in the end. And it's like, well, I like these ideas and therefore that's the case. But as a Catholic, there are objective moral truths that the church teaches, that Christ teaches, that is revealed by God, etc. If my life does not conform to one of these things, it is a sign that there is something in my conscience that has not been profitably integrated yet. I may know, and this is part of it, I may know it's wrong, right? But clearly, my will is not motivated to fight against this. Mm -hmm. Because it means that my conscience hasn't been a real conscience. Because I am not allowing the truth to challenge me to say this is wrong. And that you, so this is where the wrestling comes in of because and i think that's the hard thing is often with sin especially when it's repetitive sin yeah it, it really gets into the felt stuff and i always say people when you're fighting it there you've already you've, you've already lost the It's too late yeah
0: yeah, you got, you, yeah. You, you,
1: got, you got to start in the early stuff the banal stuff the idea mm-hmm. the thought that jumps into your head that's where the fight is and that's i mean this is a whole i got a lot of other things i could say today uh sure sure, uh, sure. <laughs> the banal is where the devil hides Hmm. He makes you think, oh, oh yeah, like, oh, it's the fantastical like Oh yeah, you're really feeling the temptation. That's when you really put up the defenses. No, no, you it's like the enemy's already raided the castle. He's in the king's chamber, raided king to kill the king. Like it's already too yeah. late. You're, you're no no. It's the boring stuff on the front lines, waiting for the, the odd advance from the enemy once in a while. He shoots an arrow at you or something like that. And but the second you let it in, it kills the guy behind you, it weakens your defenses, etc. Yeah. The fight is in the banal. Mm-hmm. And it's not really felt there. And we don't really, we're not really convinced that that's the place I need to fight. And so we just keep on sick and because we've refused to let our conscience to be purified by the light of truth, to allow us to integrate in a felt way. Like, that's the thing. It's actually, it's meant to be felt in a sense, right? I need to integrate this over time. I need to wrestle with this, that if I'm not, if I've not integrated in an affective and rational and willful way. The truth about a certain teaching of the church that I keep on falling into, it is a sign that my conscience needs to be formed more by Christ, and in that, I think that's where confession becomes more effective. Mm-hmm. It's saying I'm going here over and over again. It is my wrestling with this desire to let Christ have the mind of Christ. Does that make sense? Like, I, I, I feel like yeah so i just worry about like this whole like oh you're just not trying hard enough i think there's a truth there but it's also yeah. like a truth of like well we've also been so we, we have we have been dealt such a bad deck of cards of how mm-hmm. to form a conscience that we don't know actually how to overcome habitual sin because right so or to be repentant mm, of it
0: yeah exactly Sorry. no i agree with that so i don't want it because oftentimes when a penitent tries harder they just end up becoming more dramatic. Like in right. a genuine effort to change more, but given what they know, what they have, how they've been formed, they end up just being more performative. And there's nothing, it's like I said, this isn't a malicious thing. Mm-hmm. This is something that you know just happens. So how do we kind of deal with that? Um, it ends up being, uh, so it's not so much trying harder, but aiming more correctly, if you will. Um, He says at the end of his essay, um, the conclusion why there's not basically a change of heart, even though the sacrament is valid, is because we're not constantly looking at God when we go to the confessional. There is a dodging that we do. And I've noticed this in myself since I've been reading this and thinking about this. I'm trying to change the way I go to confession. That it's very often a way to, how do I fix myself? Or how do I deal with these rules? Or how do I adjust my confession so it's more valid or how do instead of, I want to be reconciled with God, that my sin is a reality, my smallness is a reality, and God's mercy is a reality, right? So we, we'll do stuff where it's like, well, I don't need to get like that specific with naming the sin. And, the, and, the, and, the, and so doing, we're kind of forgetting the fact that God knows us completely, we're still kind of hiding away a bit of that sin, or um, that we have to, like, we all hate the effects of sin. A lot of times we like the 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 pleasures of sin, um, we like the habits of sin because they're comfortable, you know, but we hate the effects of it, you know, the, the feeling of shame or that sort of thing, right? And so we're trying so hard to get rid of that shame instead of Realizing the reality of the act and who we've done that
1: against. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, so this is and I, I, so and this gets to something else. So I, I sure. agree. I think I think we're actually saying the same thing, right? It's like, yeah. I have to take the reality of God and Christ. Seriously, that if Christ is the truth, and I don't have this, I'm not saying it always has to be felt, right? But like I don't have this motivation yeah. to overcome this. Yeah, it's a sign that my conscience or my desire for God is not absolute as it should be which is something in and of itself worthy of confession right like it's because it's about getting these deeper things it's about rooting out sin and and and, because here's like and this is the thing is like most sins like the quote-unquote like there's two things with that was first like that action stuff this is why little, little soapbox moment for a second absolutely is 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 um This is why the church asks us to confess serious sin regardless of knowledge and free will. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, you can't judge that subjective stuff even in yourself. Only God can know that really in the end. And because your sin hurts other people. Yeah. Like, it's like if I punched you in the face, but you know, I had a yeah, you know, I I had someone saying, but you know, if you don't do this, I'm gonna reveal this, like, I don't know. I'm gonna reveal that you were a jerk to this person in your parish the other day if you don't p- punch Father Anthony in the face. Okay, was I fully free and punching you? Probably not. It doesn't matter. I still punched you and I hurt you. Well, yeah. we'll see if I actually hurt you, but I mean like I hurt a yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. Every sin is not a, just a this is I mean, this is, gets to the whole stuff. Like we have been we have allowed modernity to seep in so deeply, and we refuse to address it as the church, and it really kind of is starting to rag at me in a way because sin is not just a private me and jesus thing it affects mm-hmm. others and so go, by going to confession you're not just reconciling yourself with christ you reckon and god and the, the holy spirit you are reconciling yourself with the church
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're so if, if i punched you violently or something like that and i was like sure. that's a serious sin and i had no freedom or even no knowledge maybe you know i still hurt you yeah. I still hurt the church's communion, and thus I shouldn't go to communion until that communion has been restored by my external objective wrong action, by going to confession. The subjective qualities are important and helpful to understand. To maybe like help lessen the sense of like shame that comes with sin sometimes. You know, like if like it's yeah, sin. yeah, sure, right. But the thing is, I always say to people it's like, if you're like if you have serious sin, keep on bringing it to confession, and and don't. <sighs>
0: And here's the thing, he's like, like so the one thing that struck me was that I, I don't know who he's giving these, um, uh, I don't know who the audience is for his little right. um, conferences here, but it seems like a very ordinary thing for people to go to confession once a week.
1: Yeah, um, that was a is, very like, ordinary thing back in the day.
0: Yes, now when I hear a confesse going to confession once a week, I immediately get worried about scruples mm-hmm. um, because of kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. that there is such a worry and the, how many times do we get these questions either from people or on our hotline or whatever is this a mortal sin can i receive communion it's like right. well in a certain sense and this is gonna be a very difficult thing i was gonna say it um it's not up to you to worry about whether or not it's a mortal sin
1: yeah exactly if
0: if it's a serious sin you bring it to confession
1: and then and if you and can't then you can to go, to communion don't go to communion yeah
0: yeah. And if you don't go to communion one week, that's okay. That's it's okay. You just go next time you can get, like but the thing is we have such a psychological burden on ourselves that like getting to that place of health where you are genuinely simply confessing your um grave sins and then going to confession having that be a peaceful process. Like I don't know how we get there with people. Because it seems so against so we got we have like um a history of no catechesis on sin for like 70 years or whatever and then the only people who talk about sin tend to be kind of scrupulous about it and so we have people kind of wavering back and forth between these two extremes instead of a more peaceful and ordinary solution um so part of it's that but another thing i wanted to bring up is um There is something, I think, sometimes missing in part of the contrition, or how do I want to say this? If your only thought about resisting grave sin is, I'll try better, it's not going to work. Yeah. Like, if your only thought is, like, I feel really bad about this, I'm going to do better, and that's all it goes, then you're actually, you know, check your heart. There's a part of you that doesn't actually want to do the hard work of doing stuff like, you know, there's and there's books and there a lot of good resources. I made a joke about Matt Frad, but he has a, a lot of good resources when it comes to this sort of stuff um, about like, where do I need to have my computer in my room? Or, right. you know, uh, what are these things that they don't feel quite as sinful, but I know they lead me to sinful things? Do I actually want to get rid of those because I want to continue to be close to God? Right. So it's it's this having God as the center of your actions. Mm-hmm. And, and once you get to there, it's less about your own subjective feelings exactly it's like no i know god doesn't want me to do this like imagine if you're uh let's see um like i don't know something silly like your spouse doesn't want you to eat the last apple in the house or something dumb like that or whatever and you're like well i'll just buy her another one whatever like no that's hers and you just won't do that thing because you love her right You know, it's this weird thing where it's like, well, because it doesn't feel bad or because I can fix it later because it isn't as bad as doing something else. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you realize what you did? You're not actually sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You need to realize like doesn't in the end, like and this is the thing, like modern moral theory has tended to put an overemphasis on intention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which which has lessened our willingness to judge an action. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, I didn't intend to hurt you. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's like like to give I mean, you. An it matters analogy. like a little bit, but yeah,
0: it basically doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like to give you an analogy on this is is like I have a phobia of dogs, and if I'm going walking with friends somewhere, people mm. in BC love to keep their dogs off of leash, even if even in on leash areas, and they're like, "Oh, don't worry, my dog's the friendliest dog," and I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter you're not addressing the external phobia of thing of a thing i can't control you're you're yeah. you're, you're 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 appealing to my reason which mm-hmm. is fair but the problem is this thing is so deep that i can't get over this like it's doesn't say like these external actions are what matter still it's not about your oh it doesn't matter what, no matter how much you can give us things about how much internally that was the case these things have mitigating force about subjective culpability yeah but they don't mitigate objective hurt
0: Mm-hmm. and we kind of know this why do we get so ticked off when people say um i'm sorry if i made you feel bad
1: I hate that much. right i'm sorry you it's, feel i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry or you i'm sorry feel, you feel I'm that way that way yeah right no because, you're not
0: and the people say that because they had no intention to hurt you therefore they do not care that they hurt you
1: exactly right. and, and and this is the thing the truth again like this is a yeah, I'm stealing this phrase from, from Ransinger because this is so darn good. The truth purifies, it cuts. Mm-hmm. It has to. Mm-hmm. It has to. And so we have to allow it to cut us deep in the heart to open it up so that it can take out the cancerous stuff and it can actually beat in a in a full way, right? Um that the whole these whole notions of I didn't intend and everything, yeah, maybe didn't. And, and that can be helpful in an understandable way. It can be open. To, like, let's say, you know, there's a, a fight behind behind spouses and, and there's a miscommunication, right? Why well, I didn't intend this when I said these words, right? Because sometimes there is mismeaning. But sure. that's when you have a conversation that can help you understand where the other person is coming from. But it still, no matter what, doesn't fix the fact that that person was hurt yeah. by your words. Because it means you weren't listening in okay. such a way that they can be honest uh, that that they can honestly say things to you and that you can be able to communicate to them in a way that you know they need to hear I think life is complicated yeah but we hurt people folks mm-hmm. and w- i agree so i think all of this is like this to say we have re- not been good at allowing the truth to be the truth and to trust but like, like I said this this weekend in the in the homily, like because I know like this is the thing when we're talking about sin. Older people have a hard time with this, especially because it was so misabused in the church for so long. Sure. So is and and I recognize that, and we need to be and younger folks. By the way, we always have to be aware of this. We mm-hmm. Always have to be aware of this. Um. But if Jesus is saying, like, this is true about a moral teaching or. you need to accept that you're a sinner to receive mercy and he is the life why aren't we trusting those words of his then and the the church who teaches these things in his place that this is actually the this is actually life giving if you're willing to do the hard work and i think that gets back to what he was saying earlier i think there's a place for the hard work thing right right exactly it's just it's just was my word it's just when it's taken out of the hole yeah. It can become this semi Pelagianism. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think to, to kind of wrap this up,
0: I think it comes back, practically speaking, for me, I think it comes back to really understanding the whole concept of number and kind. When you're confessing your sins, you confess the number of times you did it and the kind of sin that you committed. And what I mean by that is, I, I actually, I, I've had to re examine myself. So, for example, in the past, it would be like, you know, I go to confession once a month. It's like, uh, there were times I missed prayer. Actually, Anthony, you go to confession once a month, think and ask the Holy Spirit to help you out. And it's like, you know what? I missed five of my holy hours because I chose not to do them. That's a different kind of confession than I miss prayer at times.
1: Yeah. Or, or something like roughly once a week, I missed prayer. Right? Right.
0: Yeah, it to doesn't... be really honest with yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Funny.
1: You can't remember yeah. the exact number. You might not be able to. That's fine. The whole point of number is not to give the priest a sense of exactly how many times. It's not like this. Oh, I want to know exactly how often you sin or whatever. And There's
0: not a, a conversion like, chart between like how many times you did it and how many Hail Marys you get either. It's well, not there like used
1: to There's <laughs> <laughs> some of those manuals, but uh, um, but at the same time, it's just to give a sense of frequency so that not just for the priest's sake to help judge the the sin, but also for your own sake to say I did this. Right? Yeah. When I when we make things vague, yeah, it removes culpability. And then on the flip side, they'll say, well, I did this five times, but here's all the reasons why. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Every time we're giving reasons, we're justifying. And it, 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 what it does is it removes – like those things may be important. And there may be even a sure. time for the priest to ask those questions in confession if he feels it's it Maybe there's stuff to
0: learn from that. Sure. Right.
1: But, but. – <laughs> by giving the explanation every time you are actually again reducing the ability to see that you want to avoid this action, no matter what you, you're not letting the truth that this is wrong to do. And what the good is to not penetrate your heart, right. which I'm sure now we've just added a whole other layer to scrupulosity for people.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Like, this, is, this is what it has to be. Let's make it simple. It doesn't yeah. have to be scrupulous. So let's, let's like I said, like, um, uh, first of all, if you've committed a grave sin, then just go to confession, okay? Um, uh, this is another thing that's actually very good spiritual advice. If you think you've committed a grave sin, other than scheduling a time for confession before Mass, um, you should keep doing the normal prayer things that you do. Like you should still have your holy 15 minutes or whatever, or you pray the end, just Like You actually just kind of put it aside and keep living normally. Driving toward God, and then you go to confession before mass, you know? So it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Um, but also keeping with the whole number and kind thing, I think one of the things that we too easily see the priest and not Christ when we're confessing, Yeah, this is so often why we don't confess as well as we could. Like once we realize that, like imagine trying to lie to someone who already knows the truth or yeah. trying to like sugarcoat someone who actually knows what happened. If we actually believe that person knows what's going on, we are more inclined to just say what happened. Yeah. Like Christ knows. Mm -hmm. So to hide from him is very silly.
1: Right. And it's not like, again, it's you don't, there are some priests I would not go to for confession, not because I don't think that's the case, but more of I would struggle to trust them to keep the seal. Sure. Like, Like, not that they would go on and on, but it's just like. Okay, there are some qualities I think like, and I as a priest, sometimes you know these things a bit better by knowing yeah. their personality a bit more, or whatever, right? So like, I get that a little bit, and like, like for example, I tend to try to encourage staff to not come to me for confession. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a good idea, right? There are certain times and places where people shouldn't go to a particular priest, but yeah, let's just you're make right. it easier for everybody. Also, like most priests are pretty good at keeping their mouth shut about this stuff. Like this is the whole point. I don't treat people differently. Even though I might know who they were in confession, even yeah,
0: I really don't. Yeah, because um, I rarely know, and then even if I do know, it's I I know the embarrassment of having to go to confession myself. Mm-hmm. So it's just like yeah. one of those things. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring out the the right of penance, and we're gonna go through like what actually it says. But the point is, don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> no one uses the right of penance anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to read you a scripture verse in the middle of confession. I got a whole line. Um, But uh, yeah, I think it's just about being more honest with ourselves and with God and going into that place of utter humility and nothingness so that we can more deeply experience the mercy that God always has for us in the Mm -hmm. confessional. And these are the things that will, Make our confessions better over time and also make our lives better over time. You can get to a point, it's not unrealistic to get to the point where you're not committing grave sin on a habitual basis. Mm -hmm. That is a reasonable expectation and goal for a Christian. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can do this. And by you can do this, I mean God wants this for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so have hope, keep going to confession, just maybe just take a little bit more time with your examination of conscience. Maybe that's all. This really boils down. Yeah, to.
1: I get really frustrated when people show up. Oh, I haven't prepared yet. Well, then why are you here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I do think you actually need a good like half hour or 20 minutes to really pray you about can. it. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not against taking notes either. As long as you destroy notes afterwards, that can be a helpful. Yeah. Thing.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like sometimes like like for myself, I'm often ready to go when I find a priest I can go to confession to. I'm yeah. pretty much ready to go. and I just grab them and I just do my thing because I... I'm already kind of it's already I've been keeping tabs in my head generally already
0: right you know if you do kind of like a an examine on a daily basis then you might be ready to jump right in um all right cool okay well thanks for listening please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast tell your enemies too because Jesus says we must love our enemies you can find me forgiving people sins in the confessional
1: not with your lay friends
0: not with my lay friends. I won't be... No more fun. I'm going to have no more fun for the rest of my life.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at frharrison.
0: Contact the podcast and receive updates at Clerical Pod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at at gmail.com. If you have a theological emergency, call 412-912-7995. Thanks, guys. We've got a nice little list of uh, theological emergencies lined up, so thanks for that. Also, thank you. Uh, a lot of you are responding to our Patreon request, which is great. That way we can keep paying um, Nick and Riley to make sure that our podcasts like works Um, also if you want to go to rome with at least one priest from clerically speaking being me check out catholicforte.com travel next year me and taylor troll are going to rome and to assisi and to all kinds of fun places and you should come too because it'll be great all right Cool. cool peace awesome god bless